the communication, they were like, you know, the hitter was saying, hey, I saw this pretty easily from you. You know, an experienced hitter would tell a young pitcher, hey, you know, you're flaring your glove every time you're trying to throw that the split finger. It's like it's real easy to see. You got to change that, you know, and after the, the major league players had a four for four night off this this young pitcher, you know, and the pitchers would, you know, talk to them about what they were seeing in the hitter. There was all this like intercommunication from from uh, the opponent to the opponent that they were learning from each other. They were learning, in my opinion, much more from each other than the coaching staff because they were breaking each other down specifically. Hey, this is More Than Velocity with Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera. I am Bart Pear, and today we're going to be talking about COVID and the pandemic's impacts on training at a bunch of different levels and just performance. And we kind of got talking about this, um, you know, in the office the other day and thought it would make a good topic um, just to kind of go through some of the challenges and, you know, what um, what we've seen that's worked and, uh, you know, how to, how to keep players safe through all the juggling of schedules and, and, and changes that are going on. So Ryan, I think this was something that you thought um, would make a, you know, an interesting podcast. So I'm, I'm going to let you just, um, just set it up and run with it. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I think the listeners out there should be aware of what people in major league baseball had to go through during COVID and how we circumvented some of the issues that we were facing there. And I think what can be taken from this is that if, you know, this, uh, this, this travesty, if it happens again, um, we'll be better equipped to being able to handle the challenges that occurred with, with not being around each other and coaching and, um, you know, being limited by equipment. So, you know, I'll kind of start from, from my perspective and, and give a little insight before the season. So uh, the interesting thing Things shut down for us as a team because we had a uh, well-known basketball player um, who came to our camp. And uh, as the NBA was shutting down, um, this individual actually uh, was a possible COVID case. And so as a result, uh, we stopped uh, our practices altogether in spring training and um, we're basically advised for everybody to go home and, and to wait uh, to hear whether we we're going to reconvene. And, it, you know, it was a real shock because, you know, we were seeing how COVID was going on all around us and people were not in the clubhouse. Um, the testing wasn't available. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the things that we take for granted in Major League Baseball, especially like signing autographs. Um, and, you know, holding uh, player interviews, they, they started to become less of a thing, um, you know, to the point where players weren't even wanting to touch pens um, from kids. Uh, and the fans were also held back from, from being uh, around our practices. And if any of you guys have gone to the Angels spring training, it's, it's amazing because the fans are allowed to stand near the gates in Tempe. So there's actually standing room where the team goes to practice on the lower fields and you actually have to walk by people. You know, you have some of these marquee athletes, um, the best in the game, you know, the Shoei Otanis of the world and, and the Mike Trouts, they're walking right by you. Um, and, and it's it's pretty uh, special. It's not usually typical for most major league teams, but, you know, when this happened, 
um, thank the Lord that when I was brought in, we changed our training to become fully electronic. So before I came in, our training with the Los Angeles Angels was all in pen and paper and it was in cabinets um, and there was no way to extract data. And, and that was what I was interested in is qualifying strength and performance and training uh, proj uh, projection and making changes. So we took in a technology in which we could electronically program athletes and we had multiple training calendars. So there was a lot of individuality as far as your position, your tier, you know, as, as far as your training age and your experience, your movement competency, um, your positional need was uh, was really at the, at the forefront. And um, so we had all these calendars built and we started to develop a body weight calendar so that we knew that, you know, as this happened and we were sent home, we were not sure as a, as a staff what was going to happen with the gyms. And we felt like, okay, if people aren't congregating anymore, this could potentially happen in the public arena where athletes don't have a place to train. And so on uh, j just preparing for the pandemic, we created these elaborate uh, body weight training calendars or minimalist equipment training calendars. And, uh, when the players were at home and they were seeing they were going to gyms and then all of a sudden it shut down, we didn't have a huge shift in training. The only thing that we were affected by was loading. Um, and, you know, at the time, I didn't really know much about crossover symmetry. Um, and we were looking for companies that could facilitate, you know, the training during this time for athletes, at least giving them some kind of resistance. Uh, so, you know, that was a, a big challenge for us is identifying the right equipment. And now we know, I mean, the, the, the equipment that we have with crossover symmetry is phenomenal. I've been using it and I think it would be a, a perfect solution in that particular circumstance. Um, but we went with a, another company that, that made, um, other equipment and you know we we're using things like cuff weights things that i would never recommend now um being being that I, i've been exposed to higher resistance training but um i will name a player uh in this covid uh experience who is absolutely fantastic his name is ryan buckter he's a pitcher for the arizona diamondbacks i believe at the moment a reliever but you know he he just said he was a new guy to the team uh from the oakland athletics he said hey what are we going to do about our minor league players he called me and uh, I said, you know, we're, we're managing, we're doing body weight training. There's a lot of plyometrics. There's a lot of, uh, you know, high speed decelerations that we're, we're integrating with them. Some of our athletes have kettlebells, they have minimal equipment. He said, you know what, for players that don't have anything, you know, I'm going to drop my credit card down and I I'm going to take care of them. And I was just blown away. You know, you, you get to see you know, the true colors in people when there's, you know, some type of challenge um, that needs to be overcome. And um, he was just animate about keeping the guys fitness levels up and, you know, whatever they need. You know, we had Albert Pujols, a uh, phenomenal person. Um, I, not many people are able to be around a Hall of Fame caliber person like this, but uh, he was instrumental in helping out the furloughed staff in the Dominican Republic. So, you know, that entire staff, they couldn't work. They weren't, they weren't getting paid. And Albert, you know, we, we always think of these guys, yeah, they got tons of money, but you know what? There, there's a lot of money that they're spending on people that they're not getting back. Um, and they pay, he paid for all their salaries, you know, when the team didn't, which was absolutely amazing. 
Um, and, and I was just so proud uh, to be around a player like that. And those two guys were exceptional. Um, but, you know, my staff was hit. So, you know, I was managing a staff between 15 to 17 people. And uh, all of them were furloughed except myself and the major league coach. So now, you know, you, you have this huge training demand. We have like 300 players that we have to facilitate. And, you know, my coaches were phenomenal in terms of uh, making adjustments and programs constantly. So, you know, that whatever the data we could take in, there was always a, a, a pivot to, to get an athlete in an optimal uh, uh, position, you know, and um, they were no longer there. So, you know, I'm programming and I'm continuing on what we have in our training calendars and it, it's, it's going well. And I'm just hoping for daylight where we bring our staff back um, or the season's going to happen. You know, we're waiting with trepidation, like what's going to happen? You know, the players are disagreeing with the, with the MLB bureaucrats and, you know, we're just what, kind of. This was last year? About what time was this Yeah, last so year? This, this was happening. So I would say all of this stuff was happening uh, starting in May. Um, we, we got noticed that, you know, Hey, you, you're not going to have your staff, Ryan. And you, you know, you just got to keep the lights on. And that, that's, you know, for me, uh, as a director level position, that's not good enough. I, I don't want to just hear, Hey, we're, we're just going to keep the lights on. We're going to spoon feed athletes, you know, a, a watered down version of what we normally give them. So, um, I was going kind of crazy just all day, you know, getting up at 7am, going to bed at seven, uh, or sorry, finishing at seven and, um, making sure that athletes had what they want. I was texting athletes, which my coaches, you know, you really, as a director, once you, when you take on the role of the people that work for you, it's amazing to understand what they actually do. But, you know, just simple communications of trying to chop down and speak to about 15 to 20 athletes a day by text, it takes a while to make sure they have all their nutritional equipment. Hey, how are you training? Have you experienced any um, orthopedic issues? in the past little while, you know, are you able to throw with a partner? Like, you know, a lot of these guys, they needed equipment to be able to, to throw like, you know, some, some products, um, like, a it, they make an oven mitt where you can throw into this oven mitt that's secured to your arm. I forget what it's called, but, uh, it, you know, that was something we needed to use because guys couldn't be around each other, you know, but we didn't want to have the, uh, real staggering effects of what can happen in detraining. You know, for anybody who's a workload specialist or, or really interested in that, um, when you take time off, you know, you change the floor level of the work workload. And what I worried about is that if the floor gets too low and now we come back, you know, as a major league team and it's all of a sudden systems go, you know, that's just an acute spike. We're going to have a ton of injuries. Um, so, so we really did, I think a really great job, um, during the pandemic, you know, um, so what, what get, was some of the players reaction to some of them obviously embraced this others were, were, you know, did you see the gamut? What was going on? Yeah. You know, it was, I, I, I think the, the only thing that I think the players really took, you know, some positive in is that they're around their families, they're seeing their kids more, um, you know, and, and they haven't had that, but you know, everybody having this, this social cutoff, you know, had their own mental um, elements that they're going, going through. And so, you know, I, I talked to our sport, our uh, sports psychologist, our mental skills coordinator, 
and really tried to nail down, hey, we need to give these players some strategies while they're handling this right now. We can't expect them to all be in a good place. Um, obviously, they need to be aware, you know, not all 300 players are aware that we actually had a sports psychologist. We had somebody who can work clinically with them. Um, but we had to make it known that, you know, if you're feeling this, you know, who knows? You know, you could have had some guys that, you know, are smoking marijuana. You, you, you don't know what they're doing to, to try to get around this uh, this particular time in their lives. So, you know, we had a lot of outreach um, with our players and we had a lot of back and forth and communication. And, um, you know, the hardest thing on me was just not having my staff. And, right. and it, it really it really hit me hard. Um, and Jordan, uh, Jordan, you, you spent you just stayed on your yacht the whole time, right? You just went off and <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard, you know. Uh, you know, when when you have the resources that I have, you know, uh, no, it was a uh, it was obviously really weird. You know, me and my wife at the time were, you know, living in Arizona in a two bedroom apartment, newborn kid, and the whole world kind of shuts down to where you're not allowed to leave. So it was a weird a weird setup. And then you're obviously used to going to the field every day, and then that stops. You're used to communicating with these players every day face to face. And then that switches over to text messages, emails, uh, you know, FaceTime. And then obviously, you know, the Zoom meeting becomes so big for everyone during this time to where even staff meetings, once we got going from the COVID season, was everyone spread out in the stands and we're meeting over Zoom because we're not allowed to be within 30 feet of each other or 50 feet, 60 feet, whatever it's going to be, to where we can't be screaming across the stadiums. So it was a, it was a very weird thing. It's it's something you adjust to, uh, but just kind of going back to one of those situations where Ryan was talking about, you know, Ryan Buckter, um, fantastic individual, and that was one of the things everyone really missed out on during the COVID season. Was there was plenty of times me and him would be after in the clubhouse. We'd have to keep our distance. We're going over the day. We're talking about things. We're going over kind of his observations. Hey, here's something I saw. You know where normally that's where a lot of learning takes place to where, hey, get out of the clubhouse. You know, the security comes through. You guys got to get out. The cleaning crew is coming in. So then we go into the parking lot. We're talking in the parking lot. Another, hey, guys, you have to leave. We're not allowed to be here. You got to wrap it up. You got to move. So these conversations where you're normally able to connect with people on that personal level, which is, you know, that's what, that's what sport is. That's what coaching is. It's connecting with people on a personal level. Those weren't allowed to happen in the same way they normally do. Um, so that was probably one of the hardest things for the players in general was, you know, a lot of times in the professional atmosphere, a coach isn't there to instruct, he's there to listen. And that got taken away pretty heavily. And you saw some guys were okay with that, but a majority of guys really struggled in that aspect. Um, and what I noticed too, on the training side is it was almost split right down the middle. You had some guys who said, you know what, COVID's happening. We may not be playing. I'm going to invest in myself. And they go out, they they buy a net, they put it in their garage or a portable net that now they can put out in their front yard, you know, in the in the driveway of their apartment complex, and they're just throwing into a net. They're doing anything they can to stay active. They're buying the appropriate tools. You know, some of the guys were sending me pictures of a squat rack they had. Like I it, it would not hold up to, you know, any type of standard. It's not a, you know, rogue fitness or, you know, whatever those <laughs> other ones are out there. This was this was handmade stuff, you know, looking like a birdhouse in a sense, but they were getting it done. You know, they're finding ways to, you know, hey, I learned on whatever how to make weights out of cement. It's like, all right, good for you, man. Whatever's getting the job done. 
and they were just figuring it out. And you had those 50% that said, I'm gonna go invest what money I have into myself on my minor league budget. And then you had another 50% that said, hey, I don't think we're gonna play. Let's just use this as an extended you know, off time. And then you really saw the difference when guys came back, when they got going. And you see them reaping the rewards of that now. You have some guys that are skipping, skipping levels after spring training, and then you have other guys that are going back to repeat. And it all came down to, are you willing to make that investment in yourself um, as opposed to waiting for someone to do that for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, so, you know, I want to touch on our product because there's two things you worry about. I remember when they came back on site. So I'll kind of walk you through, Um, you know, we get the call, Hey, there's going to be a major league season. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything starts to ramp up. The anxiety levels of everybody starts to, to, to get uh, elevated and they start bringing back some people, not everybody, but they start bringing back some of my staff, Um, our minor league coordinator, Danny Escobar. uh, He came back to us. Um, Our major league assistant strength coach, Adam Auer, who is phenomenal. Both those guys are great. He came back. Um, So now there's four of us. uh, And our our dietitian was going kind of crazy because now um, they have to create individualized food. So there's got to be some type of method that they get, you know, their own packaged meals. There's no more buffet style, which was easy to order a lot of things in bulk and guys could take what they want. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of dietary things that, you know, she had to worry about. And it was, you know, a, a lot. But as we got cooking, we just, we understood that the most important thing was communication. We didn't have objective data. You see, it would have been much easier if we had the arm care platform because I could just go on the coach's portal and be like, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, they need a little bit more remediation work. Um, Their shoulder strength isn't where they need to be. Alert the pitching coaches, alert the manager. Um, I was at the alternate site, so I had all the prospects, essentially, and some of the guys that were going to be up and down players at the major leagues, and that we could have managed them a little bit more. Um, But we didn't have that information going in. So all we had were really Google forms to provide surveys um, to understand where the athletes are at. Hey, did you lose weight? How much weight did you lose during COVID? You know, we, we didn't, we couldn't analyze their body composition, but we thought, okay, if they've lost weight, we can assume there's some lean mass losses. We got to be careful. You know, two of the things you worry about obviously is throwing and high speed running, um, sprinting. And so we had to indicate to them, you know, did you get out and sprint? How often? what distances, what intensities, Um, because we need to have the right paradigm in terms of preparing the athlete, you know, in the first few days of spring training, how much running are we going to do? You know, we had to do that. We we talked about um, all sorts of things, access to a gym, access to equipment. It's such a big disparity because you got your major leaguers. Some of these guys have like an A1 uh, performance center in their houses you know, and then you got guys in the Dominican that are throwing rocks like they just don't have, you know, all the things that are necessary for them to be, you know, ready for the season. So now we took those those training calendars um, and we had to intermix them. Hey, you know, uh, we rated them one, two or three in terms of their covid preparation. And we had to give them exactly what, you know, they needed. We, we couldn't lump everybody together, to do all the same things all the time. Because we could be overtraining the undertrained athletes and undertraining uh, the the uh, the higher trained ones, so um, we had to be real careful about that. But I remember when we were we were in Long Beach State, 
And if anybody's ever been to Long Beach State, they have this ratty uh, indoor pitching bullpen. I mean, it's 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 not the best looking thing. Um, but we hauled that thing out because we had to have an outdoor weight room. There had to be airflow. Um, and there was some open sides of this caged in um, bullpen. And we set up, you know, we had Kaiser machines. We had everything in there. It was it, We made the best of this particular situation for guys to come in and train. Um, and it became a real meeting house for people because you couldn't congregate, you know, in the in the clubhouse. They had very small locker rooms. You know, there was uh, you get in, get changed, you get out. You can't eat in there. Um, we, we had some of our testing equipment in there, but it, it had to be uh, with with low numbers. But we would congregate in the in the weight room. And yeah, the beauty part of this is you really got to know players. Um, and for people who are out there in sports science and even the directorship level uh, people who might be listening to this, you need to make connections with your athletes. And, and I just I didn't realize how impactful um, it was for us to talk to them. And, you know, Jordan, we, we had all this intermixing in this weight room of people. It wasn't like, hey, the strength staff. You guys just handle them in this location. We had pitching coaches coming in, coordinators coming in. Jordan is our pitching analyst coming in. We're all talking about the athlete, talking with the athlete. So we're having all these informal meetings um, that were absolutely critical to the advancement of our players during that time. Assuming things go back to normal, what would you keep? Okay, in my particular opinion, the thing that I loved most about um, this COVID shortened season is that the teams were mixed. So for instance, you have some guys that, that are major league caliber playing with some A-ball players, some of our top prospects in A-ball on the same field. In fact, Jordan and I got to play outfield. I had the most fun in my life. They didn't have enough outfielders and we're playing outfield with major league players. I mean, it was like fantasy camp. Um, and uh, it was a blast. I loved it uh, playing with those guys. But the fact after these games, when the players would come in, so the pitcher would come out of the game and the hitter would come out of the game at night and they, they'd be training together. You know, like opponents never work out together after games. I mean, some of them, we don't know. There's something like unwritten rule that you're not supposed to go and see your buddy on another team after the game. But, they, you know, people do. But the communication, they were like, you know, the hitter was saying, hey, I saw this pretty easily from you. You know, an experienced hitter would tell a young pitcher, hey, you know, you're flaring your glove every time you're trying to throw that the split finger. It's like it's real easy to see. You got to change that. You know, and after the, the major league players had a four for four night off this this young pitcher, you know, and the pitchers would, you know, talk to them about what they were seeing in the hitter. There was all this like intercommunication from from uh, the opponent to the opponent that they were learning from each other. They were learning, in my opinion much more from each other than the coaching staff because they were breaking each other down specifically from the player's perspective, you know, and um, we just saw so many guys get better, like Chris Rodriguez up in the major leagues this season. I don't know if he would have had the same pathway, you know, that fast to, to get to the major leagues from, you know, I think it was in high A before he got hurt, and, and then he uh, he skyrocketed through because they they spent a lot of time. You know, here's a guy he was going to skyrocket regardless. Well, throwing high nineties, <laughs> throwing high nineties, pitching to guys that were you know, playing had major league time, like the best batters that this kid's ever faced, and um, they were just so good with each other. 
And, and for me, like, and the player development side, if teams decided to do this, if they decided, hey, we're not going to play so many spring training games, but we're going to play each other and mix talent pools, um, there, there may be more of that. There may be more of that. And it's like, it's amazing. It's like, think of yourself as a ninth grader, you know, in mathematics, and you get to sit, sit in a first year calculus class in college. You know, you're seeing these upper level athletes. What do they do? And they're talking about their strategies and how they prepare. The young players are watching the older players get ready for games um, and the things they're doing. They're talking about pitchers are talking about each other's grip. You know, I watched uh, a player. I, I really enjoyed watching this player um, from a team perspective. We had him. His name was Ke uh, Keenan Middleton. He's with the uh, Mariners. But he would sit in and watch the young guys throw bullpens. He wasn't even throwing. But he just wanted to go in and talk to him and give him positive encouragement from a major league player. So, you know, I saw some some really great things that I, would be great if they were retained in, in so, the game today. So some of the major leaguers, they were having fun with this as well. That's oh, yeah. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about, how about you, Jordan? Anything you would like to keep from this? I personally enjoyed – and, again, this is something me and Ryan have – I don't know how long we've been been trying it when we were work but most of our time was spent in ex extended. We were based in Arizona. We would we did a lot of our work out of the complex and we wanted to see more inter competition between our pitchers and our hitters as opposed to always going and playing, you know, Giants black or Giants orange every other day or, you know, Reds one. We wanted to have more competition within ourselves. So we could create those scenarios we wanted to create. And the COVID season kind of forced that to happen. Uh, so it wasn't because we were recommending it that it got done. It was you know, kind of circumstantial that we finally got it done. But again, I, I really like that because you know, to bring up Chris Rodriguez, that guy's a big leaguer from the day he got drafted when it comes down to it. But now you have guys, that those low-A hitters, that are never going to face Chris Rodriguez. Now they have to face Chris Rodriguez in the alternate site. And they're, they're learning a lot more out of that one at bat than Chris Rodriguez is getting out of facing them. So it's helping that player. Um, but then you have the same thing. Chris Rodriguez is going to face a guy that, you know, has, you know, he probably would have started in double A. And now he's facing a guy who's an up and down major leaguer. And he's learning on that end as well. So everyone's forced to learn from each other. And then there's plenty of razzing. There's pr plenty of ribbing going on. And it's it, it brought it back more towards the college atmosphere as opposed to, I want to call it the sterility of professional baseball. Like everyone, like Ryan was saying, you know, you get into you get into pro ball. Hey, don't talk to your buddy over there. Well, why? You know, it's not like they're they're grading you on the wins and losses in the minor leagues, anyways. But then all of a sudden, you get into this, you know, this this pride and ego in a good sense of, well, I got to strike my my buddy out because he's the guy who's who's rooming next door to me. I don't I don't want to hear about it. You know, I'm going to strike him out. And then he's saying, well, I'm going to hit a double because I don't want to hear about him striking me out because now you have to deal with this person every day. And it's almost like, you know, Bart, you have twins. Yep. And I guarantee that competition is through the roof because they're – I mean, I've like I brought it up before. I've seen them play baseball in your backyard before, and they were borderline seeing which one's better at sliding headfirst into a tree. You know, <laughs> like there's competition to the level – because it's like I'm going to one up you. I'm going to do better, and it's a it's a healthy competition. It's not a negative competition, and you don't normally see that in pro ball because it's more about did you personally get what you need to done today, and that's one thing I would I would still love to keep around is to have that 
inter-team competition as much as you can in a real sense, not a, hey, who pressed more or who jumped higher? It's, no, did you strike this guy out or not? Did you strike your roommate out? I think that needs to be happening on a regular basis. Um, my huge positive that I saw out of this was it forced not just me, but the entire baseball industry to get into remote coaching. That was something that had happened in the past, but everyone was like, well, I want to work hands-on. So people had to learn how to communicate things without being in person. You know, So technology was, was stretched. It was pushed to the limits. And I know for me personally, it made me grow a ton as a coach and a communicator because now, you know, if I'm in person with you, Ryan, I can use examples, I can use hand gestures, I can use body language, I can use a whole bunch of different things to help get my point across. But now that me and you, like right now, I'm in Utah, you're in Arizona, we have to use words very distinctly and very with a lot of purpose behind them to where we can't have those fillers. It needs to be direct, it needs to be to the point, and it needs to be impactful. And I think you started seeing the teams that really invested in communication are reaping those benefits now. And the teams that were just kind of like, hey, we're going to do this on a shoestring right now. We're going we're gonna to cut, we're going to figure this out as we go, and whatever happens, happens, as opposed to going, all right, this is the technology we need to make sure that our players are getting this information buy it just get it done and then you know they're like i said they're reaping the benefits of it now you know they're they're the, the harvest is plentiful for them when you look at the standings across not just their minor league systems but obviously what's matriculating up to the big leagues um the teams that didn't really invest in that or they invested in it but they didn't want to actually harvest that you're seeing that as well so for me there's a lot more positives that came out of it than negatives and it, it was challenging. There was a lot of challenge in there, but challenge makes you grow. There's nothing There's nothing in the world that grows unless it's stressed. You need to stress a muscle. You need to stress anything in life to make it grow, and the people who responded appropriately to that stress are seeing positive growth out of this. Yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, coaching language. I mean, that was something that, that – uh, we were okay with because of the electronic format we had. We had videos, uh, you know, some of the videos we, we could give the instructions, the key cues in Spanish, in English. Um, some, were, some were voiced over. You know, some players, some of the videos were like a couple minutes long. Players usually are good for about 10 seconds to watch an exercise, but the more detailed ones, we, we walk them through. Um, and, you know, you think about the language barriers in baseball, you know, think of the fact that we, we have Latin players and now our staff in the Dominican are unavailable, you know, and that, that made that's a, that's a huge strain. Um, but we were okay in the strength side, but in other areas, it might've been very challenging. Um, you know, being able to, to find an athlete, I mean, it's great to talk about the communication because you have to figure out. You know, what do they know and how can you make a metaphor or an association to their mental model? You know, in that particular, as you're demonstrating it, you know, you're, let's just say we're talking about a one arm row and, uh, you know, we're, we're coaching it and an athlete's not with us and we don't want them to, to tighten in their elbow and rub their elbows by their side when they row so that they dump their shoulder forward. We have to say, pretend there's an orange in your armpit. Now row. 
Think of that orange, staying stay in your armpit, can't get your elbow down. That's the position you need to be in. Um, there's there's just so many different things uh, as a coach that, that goes through your mind in terms of how you're connecting with that athlete. So, you know, Jordan is spot on. The other thing I wanted to communicate, you know, to our listeners is the importance of being humble and being humbled by your athletes. So there was a, an undertaking towards the end of our COVID shortened season where our front office were, they, they really wanted to know what was going on with our pitching program. Our, our pitchers weren't developing at the same rate as our hitters. And, and obviously our team was, was our Achilles heel was pitching. You know, we had all these unbelievable hitters that could bang with anybody. But you know, when it came to pitching, we couldn't, we couldn't stop the bleeding. And so we had this uh, organizational-wide um, survey on how can we improve pitching from everybody's different discipline. You know, and, and at the beginning, I mean, this was, this was catered to the coach. You know, it came down from the, the front office, the coaches, the directors, the managers of their department. Um, but when I got mine, I just sat down with players and, I, you know, I wanted to get their opinion. You know, where, where can we do better on the strength side? Where can we do better on the pitching programming side? You know, because I want to give them a voice to communicate. And the players, you, you know, you empower your players to tell you what they like and they don't like. You are cutting the fat on your program to get right to the nuggets. You're finding the gold much faster when you communicate that way with your athletes. Because some of the things that you think you're doing that are working well and the conditions you're giving them... And, and they're not improving. Like, for instance, um, one of the things we throw bullpens without any any uh, pitch tracking technology. We didn't have Rapsodo. Um, we didn't have, you know, some of the, the technologies that are out there, TrackMan um, Mobile. But one of the pitchers said to us, he's like, you know, why can't we throw our bullpens on the field where we have all this technology and we can get information about our ball movement, our grip? you know, the things that are, you know, more impactful and are, and are objective. And I thought, hey, man, that's a great call. Um, that helps us as a coach, you know. Um, we use this product called, I won't name the name, but it was a dynamometry product that was very comprehensive. And um, it, 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 the players, they complained because they, they, you know, they were coming in cold. And we didn't have a ton of time in in the uh the covid shortened season like we had to be in there and out of there in five hours it was the most streamlined baseball so when it came to monitoring every team probably had a, a significant challenge with how to get athletes in and spend the time to actually analyze them um, but they were coming in cold to get them in hey once you get there let's go in we're testing you know and they're doing a max strength test a max isometric test and a lot of the athletes athletes said hey can we just have a standard warm-up that we go through before we do things like this, because he's like, I, I, although I'll give you the effort I can give you, I'm not really ready, you know? And I, I just didn't get uh, that concept in my mind because I thought the more important thing is we need the strength stencil to change the programming or to communicate when the arm isn't doing well, because if you have an injury at this reserve camp at the alternate site, that's no good because if a major leaguer goes down and now somebody who's injured at your camp isn't available, that puts the team at a significant loss. So, you know, just getting that information back from them and empowering the player was so good, I felt, for the, the future development of the team. Very cool. Um, 
I have to admit, when you said, hey, let's talk about COVID, I had no idea where this was going to go. But um, the image of you two guys playing outfield uh, was worth <laughs> the whole conversation. So uh, before we wrap it up, anything else? I'm I think the biggest my... thing that came came from it was it made people trim fat out of their schedule. Because that was one of the biggest things that I always complained about is, you know, you start coaching in the private industry and you get, you know, 30 minutes with a player and you have to get something done in 30 minutes. And then you, you coach in the college atmosphere. You have like of your own personal time. It's like you get 45 minutes with the pitchers. You got to start impacting those guys right away. And then you have your team practice and then it's like, Hey, they got to go to class, get them out of here. And then you go into pro ball and it's like, Hey, what do we have? We're going to play catch for 12 minutes and then we're going to go sit at our lockers then we're going to come back outside. We're going to stand in the outfield for an hour. Then we're going to sit at our locker. And then we're going to come back outside. We're going to do PFP for five minutes. Then we're going to go sit down at our locker. And then we're going to eat. And then we're going to go in the weight room. And we're going to stand around and watch guys for about an hour. And then we're going to eat again. And then we're going to sit at our lockers for an hour and a half. And then we're going to go play a game. And then what? But after the game, then we're going to go back and sit at our lockers for a couple more hours. So it's like, you know, it made people kind of streamline the process and go, okay, well, let's be let's be productive with our time. Let's make sure just because we have 12 hours doesn't mean we need to use 12 hours. Like let's let's get it done in four instead of making everyone sit around here all day. So it helped people streamline things. And I think that's why a lot of those organizations that hired a ton of college coaches that have had these time constraints have been thriving so well through it. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like I said, we're open to questions. Um, you know, hit us up on our the armcare.com site through support or wherever you're listening to this, YouTube, wherever. Um, and uh, until next time, thanks.